Hello, and welcome to the Alphabet Soup podcast. My name is Jay. My pronouns are they, them. Hey, everyone. It's Elle. Pronouns she, her, hers. Welcome back. And today we also have... Hi, uh, my name is Tollefson. I go by they, them, she, her pronouns. Hello, everyone. I'm honored to be a guest today. My name is Jenny Lake. I'm future superintendent of Roseville Area Schools, and I go by she, her, hers. Hello, everyone. I'm excited to be here as well. I am Melissa Sonic, and I will be transitioning to the role of assistant superintendent on July 1st, and my pronouns are she, her, hers. The objective of this podcast is to provide a space for queer youth to feel welcome and inform our communities about local issues and topics. We want to uplift the voices of queer youth to authentically discuss, process, and heal from our personal experiences, social injustices, and more. So thanks for coming back. And so we're recording this on June 1st, and you know what that means, Pride Month. And so from the words of Ohaima, they can be found on Instagram, he says, Remember that you don't need to be part of a specific marginalized group to advocate for that marginalized group. Let that not-so-secret secret encourage you to lend your voice, access, resources, platforms, and support to the LGBTQ community this month. And while you are at it, make sure you're continuing to advocate through an anti-racist lens with intersectionality at the forefront. Shine a light on Black trans experiences. Elevate queer voices you just encountered during Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month. Challenge the isms and phobias that have no place in our collective movement towards freedom. We have a lot of work to do so that everyone can live their truest lives. Be part of the change to get us there. And so that was from Ohima. You can be found on Instagram. And so with that being said, today we have some really, really great people here today. And so we'd of course love to know more about who they are and what they're doing. So if I can pass it off to Dr. Jenny Lake and maybe some context of who you are. Yeah, thank you, Elle. Uh, As I said before, Jenny Lake, future um, superintendent beginning July 1st in Roseville. And in terms of who I am, I think you set it up really well, right? I first am a guest today as a superintendent and a strong anti-racist leader, really focusing on that intersection of LGBTQ plus rights and full inclusion in our school district. But I'm also a gay woman, a mother, um, a leader in our community, a daughter and a friend, and certainly an anti-racist co-conspirator and ally. So thanks again for having me. Thank you for coming. Yes. We also have Melissa Sonek, who is the assistant superintendent. All right. Thank you. So one of my favorite authors says what you know matters, but who you are matters more. And so I I appreciate that you're framing this to get to get to know a little bit more about who we are. And uh, like Jenny, I'm I'm a mom. I'm a wife. uh, I have five children and uh, I'm I also identify as a teacher. I've been an educator for over 20 years. I served as the um, principal of Edgerton Elementary School before transitioning to uh, Uh, teaching and learning. And I've been in this department for the last two years. And like all of us, it's been an interesting last year in the, during the COVID pandemic. Um, But part of like my identity as a leader too, is ensuring that I'm an anti-racist leader, that I am a leader for equity and that uh, we are doing everything that we can to interrupt 
uh, inequitable practices and create truly inclusive, welcoming schools where all of our, our students and staff and families um, feel proud of who they are and um, their families and how they identify to really um, kind of be this, this district where all are, are welcome. Awesome. Thank you. Those are some great introductions. Like, that was so good. <laughs> so thank you. Um, so I guess we can begin with our questions now. So first of all, thank you for being here. And our first question is, what plans do you have for the district currently related related to LGBTQ issues? Yeah, I, I can start globally. I believe our our goal as district leaders is truly to raise awareness to create that inclusive community and not only raise awareness, but create an action plan to ensure that it happens. And one key element in that is to include student voice in all decision-making throughout the district, um, both for the benefit of students and for staff, because we know awareness in this area and a change in practice, not only benefits of course our LGBTQ plus students, but all of our students in the district. Uh, and so with that, we have a new student committee, actually a district committee that Melissa can share more about. Yeah. And I think really what it starts with is, is it all is grounded back in our equity vision, right? Like creating a truly equitable school district. And, and if we live into those values, what does it look like? And I, I'll tell you a little bit about the story of how it started. So there was some uh, students that were on a, another committee that was working with someone in, in teaching and learning. And when they found out we were in curriculum review for health uh, and that I was leading that, leading that or overseeing it, they asked if they could meet with me and share some of their thoughts and feelings and experiences as uh, students who identify as LGBTQ plus and their experiences in health. And so I met with this group of students and we ended up meeting for like two hours. And as I listened, the more that I listened, I was like, you guys, yes, this is about health, but this is so much bigger than just health. Um, some of the things that they were uh, asking for were just basic human rights in the sense of um, interrupting, you know, uh, things that were um, homophobic or that did harm, uh, being recognized in, in, and, um, by their pronouns, um, providing professional development for staff, just some really like basic um, requests. And then there was also components of what they wanted to see in the, the health curriculum as well. And as I listened to them, um, I ended up having like three pages of notes and I asked their their thoughts around like, is this bigger than health? Which, of course, I think we were all on the same page. And then my next step was to bring it to our superintendents and our district leadership team uh, to talk about some of the, the discussion that we had. And we decided that we wanted to form a committee to move forward some of this work uh, to interrupt things that were taking place in our district that um, weren't helping everyone feel welcome and uh, it, creating a more inclusive environment. And so what came out of that was a committee and we worked together to uh, collaboratively expand the committee and includes lots of different voices and perspectives from uh, students and families and staff. And we renamed ourselves because the title that I came up with was kind of lame. And so now we are called the LGBTQ plus equity council. And we really have four um, different purposes. Um, and our overarching goal is to create LGBTQ plus and gender inclusive schools and workplaces. Um, one of our goals is social emotional support for LGBTQ plus students. The second one is to embrace all families. 
The third is to review district practices, policies, and curriculum. And then the fourth is to be process driven so we can listen, pivot, and grow in response to what we are learning. And then the last thing I'll say about the, the equity, the LGBTQ plus equity council that was formed is within there, we also have four subgroups. And those four subgroups are um, looking at our current practices and kind of continuing to move the work forward through the lens of curriculum review. Uh, gender inclusion policy. And what's really cool about the gender inclusion policy subcommittee, it is um, largely made up of students. And so they're looking at gender inclusion policies that we provided um, from like a national perspective, like who has some of the, the most inclusive policies and how can we look at those from the lens of our policies in Roseville. And then two more other subcommittees that we have are we have a professional development subcommittee and a communication subcommittee. So we're still very early on in the stages of this. I want to say we just started meeting a few months ago um, and we will continue into the fall, but that's where we're currently at with that group. Are there any resources for any students who want to reach out to the committee? Um, yeah, that's a great question. So I believe our communications committee is working on that. I know that committee is led by Christina Robertson, and so they could contact Christina Robertson or just reach out to me as well, and I can get folks connected to the right people. But that, I know that's a piece that the communications committee is working on is not just how do we inform like our students, staff, and families, because not everybody is aware that that this committee is taking place or that we have this this uh, leadership council. And what's cool about the the LGBTQ plus equity council is that that's a group that we just decided at our last meeting will be meeting every other month next year, but then the subcommittees will meet in between. So when the subcommittees meet more, I know one of the things that I saw on the agenda for the, the subcommittee on communication was to reach out and uh, communicate more around if there were folks that are interested in joining. That sounds amazing. Sounds like <laughs> Rosal really is doing some stuff. So with you mentioned how uh, when you met with uh, those folks pertaining to the health class, um, with how you know health is currently taught, what ways uh, do you think LGBTQ voices and experiences can be added to the health class? Yeah, Dr. Lake, do you want me to run with that one first? That'd be great. All right. You know, I think one of the things that I heard from the students is they didn't always see themselves reflected in our health curriculum. And the way that our health curriculum is currently taught is framed around national health standards. The health standards are being revised, and so there, there'll be new standards. And I think part of what was missing was um, just lenses that were more inclusive, right? Like, and I want to—I'll have to pull up my notes to it to see what some of the specifics were. But I know when they they talked about like um, sex education, they just felt like they that they're they were absented in that narrative. And so they were asking for how can how can health classes be more inclusive? I think the other thing that we um, that that I heard from students too is sometimes when there is LGBTQ um, plus uh, elements in the curriculum, it can be seen from like a, a deficit mindset, right? Or like here's like um, negative things versus empowering and positive. Um, and I think that's a piece of our curriculum that expands as well to um, our students of color, right? Like there's lots of absences that are, are narratives that are absented in our curriculum. And so that's something that we've been working on as a while, for a while as a district. But I also think making sure that we have um, LGBTQ inclusive 
curriculum is something that our, our youth are des- definitely saying that they want to see. And I think it expands beyond health class too. So one of the things that we're looking at is there's a tool called a um, culturally responsive scorecard um, that you can use. And it's even looking at, you know, are there, in more, when we're looking at English language arts, are there families that are diverse families or um, uh, two dad families or two mom families that are reflected in our, in our curriculums? Because really all students should see mirrors of themselves and their families in the curriculum. I appreciate that, Melissa. And I was thinking the same thing, that we certainly don't want any student to feel othered inside of a health class, but it's also connected to the next question, as you alluded to, outside of health class. I think of really three phrases come to mind for me. High expectations, what we expect of students and staff, everyone within our school community, the support we provide to ensure that students are welcomed within the community, and then accountability if they're not because there is a mention of consequences and I wouldn't first ever approach it with that. I'd approach it with teaching and support and then not running away in terms of the say something, uh, see something, say something aspect of inclusion, right? We all need to work together in that regard to improve the experiences of all of our students. Thank you. So are there any steps that you plan to, that you plan to take to increase career representation outside of health? You kind of touched on that a bit more on what you just said, but can you expand on it? Well, I think Melissa can add some details too, but one of our core focus uh, moving forward is we'll actually continued work around absent narratives or telling that other story and queer representation within those absent narratives is key to ensuring that all students feel represented, again, not only in health class, but every single class they're experiencing K-12 in our system. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. And I think uh, another way that it can happen in elementary schools, too, is, you know, we often read um, have read aloud books where there's um, um, families that are represented in the book. So how are we ensuring like at an early age? And and also like not as I was saying earlier, not from a deficit lens, like, for example, there's a, um, a book called Uncle Bobby's Wedding and it's about um, Uncle Bobby and he is getting married. Um, to a male partner. Um, but the the focus of the book is more around his niece, and she's worried that she won't get as much attention from him when he gets married. So the central like uh, storyline isn't um it's good, it's bad. it's it's not necessarily um, around like LGBTQ um, um, topics per se, but it's more about just representation. And so I think that representation piece is really important as well. Great. So, Taking a step back, is there anything in a larger scheme, any major changes you plan to make as superintendent and assistant superintendent? Yeah, good question. I don't know, you know, the word major can be defined in a variety of ways, but I think the refocusing on full inclusion of all of our students in our schools and getting back to that greater awareness around really broad gay rights in our schools for our students and staff and really paying attention and, and coming. You'll have a superintendent and leadership team who continues to play really close attention to the accountability and when that's not happening and increasing opportunities for student voice. And then we simply need to respond because in every intersection, students are right. You know, your perspective is right. We need to listen and then be dedicated to following up on what how you're informing us and what you're informing us on. Yeah, I'll add on to that too. I think a piece of this that's important too is just learning. So one of the things that I know the uh, professional development subcommittee on the LGBTQ plus equity council is looking at is providing some professional learning for all staff, uh, hopefully in the fall, uh, that just 
kind of gets us all on the same page and is almost a refresher of something that we did four years ago around uh, creating welcoming inclusive schools. Um, and it's everything from, you know, bathrooms to pronouns, right? Like um, being uh, respectful of students and how the students identify. And, uh, and then it's even like practicing and we don't have the professional development fully uh, developed at this point, but it's even things like, you know, you're in class and you have a student and maybe it's like a scenario where you, you use the incorrect pronoun. How do you respond? How can we repair harm um, when harm is done? So I think learning and professional development is, is a part of moving forward in a way as well. Thank you. So our next question is about the bill proposed a session that would incriminate trans girls and women participating in sports that match their gender identity. What do you what do you guys plan to do to address this bill? Yeah, Melissa and I had a conversation about this, and fortunately in Minnesota, we're very confident that this bill will not advance in any regard because it is so terribly harmful uh, in opposition to all of our values. And then I also checked with the Minnesota State High School League, and they are in opposition to this bill as well. Um, so I, we're very confident in that, and we would uh, certainly advocate if need be. And we have really strong relationships with our local legislators, and they, they reach out to us on a regular basis. And so we're constantly informing them of our, our value set here as a school district. Yeah, I'll add on to that, too. I mean, I think trans women are women. And they're just looking to be a part of a sport like any other athlete. Uh, and when we see things like this uh, come up as uh, possible um, bills or legislation, I think one of the things that we do is we have uh, context that we read. Well, it's, it's two ways. So I'll back up. One, we have groups that just keep us informed. And so that's like um, the human rights campaign, right? So I get notifications from them. Or I'm also a part of MESPA, the Minnesota Elementary School Principals Association. And so we have a, a legal representation who's a, a legal representative who is a lobbyist who then gives us updates on what's taking place at the Capitol so we can really keep our finger on the pulse of, of what's taking place. And then also another source that I use is welcoming schools as they're pretty great about communicating with educators too about what is currently taking place. The other thing that happens is there can be really problematic things that come up that are kind of dead upon arrival. Like they, they, they don't move forward. Um, and so you have to pay close attention to what is on the docket and, and what potentially will move forward and what will, what will not. And I, I echo what Dr. Lake said. This is something that we don't see moving forward in Minnesota. Thank you. Uh, how are you planning to affirm trans and non-binary youth who have changed their names and or pronouns? Well, a couple of things come to the top of my head. One, um, building that into professional development for all of our staff so that students and staff have opportunities to practice, practice, practice constantly and take risks, uh, again, in inclusion. And the safety precautions behind that, I think, are to ensure that we set that discussion up for success in creating safe spaces in our classrooms and within our schools. Um, a technical aspect of that, we're continuing to advocate and work with our student database systems so that teachers can get correct names or the removal of gender, et cetera, non-binary listings so that uh, teachers, that students don't have to approach a teacher at the onset of that discussion, making it easier for students and staff. That's great to hear. Uh, with that being said, how are you planning to address possible situations of homophobia and tro transphobia in the schools? 
Yeah, Melissa, maybe you can talk more about specifically within buildings, but I, I come back, uh, L, to what I said earlier around high expectations, support, and accountability, because that should absolutely be zero tolerance through a lot of caring and loving discussions. And that I could say the same about issues around race or bullying in all regards. Yeah. And I can speak from an elementary perspective, adding on to that as well, because one of the things that I noticed in elementary schools, especially with with our youngest students, right, like think our five and six year olds, is sometimes they don't always understand the power of their words. Uh, And so I think the first step is always using it as a teachable moment uh, to ensure that that kids understand that our words matters our words matter and how we impact each other matters. And so we always start from a teaching stance. And then once we have, we've taken that approach, I think there, it's certainly a different response. If it's the, you know, the third time, the fourth time, the fifth time, right. Then, then it's no longer just a teaching moment. Then we go a little bit deeper with that. And one of the things that we've done from um, like a principal's perspective is really done um, deep learning around Um, historical perspectives, our impacts on each other, and the the harm that can be caused around differences. And I think Dr. Lake mentioned other this othering, right? So how do we interrupt it at a, as a really early age and teach into it so that um, we're not still teaching into it by the time we get to 10th grade, 11th grade, 12th grade, right? Uh, because we want to ensure that all students, all staff, and all families feel welcome in our schools and proud of who they are and that we have uh, an inclusive school district. And I think that it's interesting too, because we live in a a society with lots of different beliefs, right? Whether it's um, political beliefs, theological beliefs, um, but I think no matter what people believe, how we treat each other is important. And every child has the right to feel safe and proud of who they are within our schools. And so I think it's up to us to really create that culture, Uh, but it starts with, with teaching at a really young age around how we treat each other matters. Thank you. Uh, What improvements have you seen already in the district with queer issues? Yeah, I reflect on this question. I think about queer issues or gender equity in a really global picture, right? In education and throughout society, we've seen um, growth in leaps and bounds within the last 10 years throughout the nation. And I think that's reflected in Roseville as well in terms of we address every issue. I'm extremely proud to work alongside the school board in representing um, queer issues and, again, racial equity issues, all issues across our schools, and nothing is off the table. And I've seen our staff become more and more comfortable addressing every single issue. Again, when we come back to those high expectations, support and uh, accountability. Uh, And I think that's reflected in student voice. I think if anything, the largest growth is the growth in student voice and adults learning from student voice, and we're dedicated to continuing to do so. Yeah, I'll add on to that, Dr. Like, so I, I really appreciate this question. And what it what it did for me is kind of made me think back like 15 years ago. And I am deeply committed to ensuring that we have um, inclusive schools specifically for LGBTQ plus youth, um, in part because of an experience that I had with a student. And it was 15 years ago, and that child uh, had an elementary experience that was less than they deserved. And there was bullying in the true sense of the word um, that was based on that child's identity. And so much so that that child left our district. And it wasn't the Roseville area district at that time. I was in a different school district. 
And while I can't go back and I can't change that child's experience, I can do everything in my power to make sure that no other child has that experience in our schools. And so I have spent the last 15 years trying to keep that promise. And one of the things that that we did to live into that at Edgerton is we created this this program called um, Windows and Mirrors. And so it was really just about reading different books and having conversations in our classrooms. Um, and it was about race and poverty and um, gender identity and two dad families and uh, really ensuring that all of our students saw um, mirrors of themselves and their own family, but also windows into families that might be different than their own. And I think one of the things that I'm most proud of in the Roosevelt Area Schools is um, we have a policy. We have our, it's our equity vision that allows us to, to do this work and to really live into our values about creating um, welcoming schools. And I, I remember a conversation I had with a board member um, around, you know, doing some of this work. And the feedback that I got was, you know, Melissa, it's not that we're concerned that you're doing the work. It would We'd be concerned if you weren't. And so I think there is a lot of alignment in our district, as Dr. Lake mentioned, with the school board and district administrators and principals and teachers, that everybody wants um, our schools to be um, schools where our queer youth um, feel safe and proud of who they are, and that we are really a district that that lives into our values around equity. And so I think that it's 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 something we'll conti- we'll continue to work towards. Like never do I think we'll be like we have arrived, we are there, right? There's never going to be anything negative that happens again, and that's just not the world that we live in. Um, but what I appreciate about the approach that we're taking is that it's very proactive, but then also very responsive when we fall short, right? Like how do we need to make it right in this situation with a student? What teaching needs to take place with this student? What do we as adults need to learn to be better or do or, or do differently next time? And so I appreciate this question a lot because I do think that it is um, a, a kind of this collective journey that we're all on together. Yeah, thank you. It's really nice to hear the positive and what's already been happening of what's already been happening so that we know like what can happen in the future and that we can be optimistic about what's happening. Yeah, I'll add on to that too, though, because one of the things that was interesting, I talked about meeting with a panel of students about our health curriculum. And one of the things they asked is like, could we just have some like professional development for teachers around like, you know, pronouns or um, bathrooms? And I was like, okay, good news and bad news. We did, like we did like four years ago for all staff, right? And so it just goes to show us as well that even, even if that takes place, it doesn't mean that um, the work is done, right? So I think it, it's something that we're always going to have to be continually, continuously reflecting and improving on as well. Sounds amazing. Uh, I feel like there's so many things to look forward to, right, with all these changes happening. And so I do hope that, you know, true change actually happens and that's meaningful and that it you know continues to stay in place right change and a better future right and so our last question of the day is what part of your identity gives a different perspective compared to the previous superintendents on various issues Yeah, and I think, Al, how you said that I want students to hold us accountable, right? I want students and families to have extremely high expectations for the Office of the Superintendent, district leaders, principals, teachers. And when, as Melissa has said, when we do fall short, we need to know and hear from you and be able to respond. So I just really appreciate the partnership because, again, this is a benefit of all of our students towards that inclusive goal. 
And in terms of identity, I'd probably ask the question back. I'm wondering, it would be unique, what, what common experiences or what common perspectives do we have, right, with myself and the current superintendent, Superintendent Sicoli, because there's so much different difference. You know, this podcast maybe has a, a take on my uh, identity as a gay woman, as a new superintendent, but also just all the gender references around being a mother and a daughter and different leadership circles, um, age, background, uh, everyone's racial background is also different. And so I, I think it, it will be really natural to bring a different perspective um, and really strong leadership, especially in the role of, again, broad gay rights and uh, queer representation throughout our school district. Well, thank you so much. Uh, that's pretty much all that we had for questions. Jay, is there anything else you'd like to add? Uh, do you guys have any questions for us? Well, I, I'll let Melissa have the final word, but I'd just like to close and thank you both so much, not only for your leadership today, but the group, the ongoing um, GSA and broad group at Ross and throughout Roseville area schools, and just really encourage all students and families, if you have any questions, there's no wrong questions, no wrong ideas, please come forward as, as we all have the same goal in mind and we'd love to help. And as I started the conversation, it's such a privilege to join you. So if I can ever do anything to help, please, please feel free to reach out directly. I'll turn it over to Melissa. Yeah, I will just echo uh, what Dr. Lake's sentiment. I'm just impressed with your leadership and uh how the, the questions that you've asked, clearly this is something that is important and near and dear to your hearts and we feel the same. I also was just reviewing your objective in the sense of you wanna provide a space for queer youth to feel welcome and inform our communities about local issues and topics. We want to up, uplift the voices of queer youth to authentically discuss, process and heal from our personal experiences, social injustices and more. And I think that encompasses what we value as well. Um, we want that same. We have, we have shared goals. And so we look forward to being your partners in this work. Well, thank you so much, you two. We really enjoyed having you here today. And we look forward to the future and what it will contain. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Thank you. Thank you both for having us. Thank you. Thank you. And so that's pretty much the all for this episode. Thank you for tuning in and listening. And I hope y'all have a more than decent day and week. And so please follow us on our Instagram, Alphabet Soup Youth Podcast. And we are hopefully posting more on a daily basis. Who knows? <laughs> and reach out to us if you have any questions or if you need any advice or anything at our email, lgbtqiasoup at gmail.com. And? and all of that should be in the description somewhere, so you can find it easily. Yep, as Jay said, that's pretty much it. And that'll be all. Thank you, everyone. Goodbye. Thank you.